Sometimes you just need to say yes and see where it takes you. It's not that the future is just digital. We also want more emotion and personal connections. Welcome to Tech Inspired. My name is Priska and I am your host today. With this podcast, we want to inspire and empower more women to start a career in tech. We interview on a regular basis exciting guests from the tech industry who share their stories, insights and career advice. Let's get started to build your best career in tech. Today, I'm very happy to kick off 2022 with one of the very few female founders coming out of ETH in Zurich. I welcome here Leonie Flückiger. She is co-founder of the company called Adresta, and it's quite an interesting company around the jewelry or respectively the watch industry and blockchain. But yeah, I'd like you to first introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Priska, for having me. Happy uh, New Year. So um, I'm Leonie. I have a background as material scientist from ETH Zurich and switched on to micro and nanosystems. Uh, it's an engineering uh, field. And I had the chance during my studies to work for a junior enterprise, ETH Juniors. And our goal there was to bridge academia and industry. So I had the chance to be involved over the year. I've been there in uh, over 100 projects with uh, Swiss SMIs corporates. And there I really got the chance to use my uh, more technical skills for the industry. But what was more important was to learn all the soft skills. We had to do sales, acquire new clients, um, organize events. And then for all these projects we had, we had to hire students. I was involved in all these um, processes and then, of course, also um, ask for the money from the projects. And one of these projects was together with Helvetia Insurance. And this is the project that turned into my company, Adresta, with my two co-founders coming from Helvetia and me from ETH. So we all decided to start our own journey, build up our own baby. And um, since 2019, we are officially on our own, self-employed. And our vision is to help the traditional watch and luxury industry with the next step into the digital age. It's very interesting. And I think what is amazing to hear is about that in a very short time of a year, you had to learn everything that is required to become an entrepreneur. But before we go into more details about this, I'd like to hear a little bit more about your journey getting to the stage of studying material science. When you were a kid, have you had any contact already with this industry or did you have anyone around you who was a more a techie person or how did you grow up? Tell us a little bit about this part of your life? I had no one um, that was in the tech industry around me. My parents never studied. So my mom works in an office. My dad is a carpenter. I grew up being very creative. I did a lot around wood with my dad, obviously. I love to draw and, and be creative, be in the nature. And I was never so good in school. I had a hard time. They didn't want to let me into the gymnasium. Um, the gymnasium in Switzerland is a step before you're allowed to go to a Swiss university. Um, so I tried really hard to study on my own. My parents were never able to, to help me. And somehow I managed to enter gymnasium and one day 
it just may click and I, I got the way around studying, understanding concepts. So I managed to uh, go through the gymnasium quite well with good grades because I was really good at studying, maybe not at understanding this stuff, but at studying, I was good. And I still love to be creative. So I wanted to go to a more creative uh, school um, to study industrial design. Um, I also wrote my matura about uh, nature that inspires fashion, about surfaces. In Switzerland, we have these offices that help you find out what you want to do in life. And it was actually that lady that showed me the opportunity to go to ETH. I was telling her I'm creative, I, lo I love surfaces, materials. And she showed me that there is actually a field of study called material science. It fits really well what you love. And she suggests me to go to ETH because it gives me a good understanding and background for, for my future. And my mom also always told me I can still be creative on the side. This actually never worked out because when you work a lot, your brain has no more time and space to be creative on the side. But building up my own venture is, is one of the most creative things you can do. You mentioned that you were struggling getting into gymnasium. What did push you to go and study and learn and get the foot in the, the gymnasium so that you can really study later on in ETH? Was there anything that inspired you? I honestly don't remember, don't know. I just liked to be good at something and learn something and understand concepts. But I never had a specific profession in mind that made me go to gymnasium. And even with my parents that didn't expect it from me at all, I until now never had any pressure from my environment doing something more study related. So yeah. maybe it's really just intrinsic that I, I liked to be good at learning and studying, which was also hard for me because I was just good at studying, but never interested in a specific topic. Um, I was just, whatever people gave me, whether it was sports or more theoretical concept, I just liked to study them and, and be good on the test or at the tournament in sports. Um, I played soccer for 15 years. I'm really sports oriented as well. So until now, I never understood what really makes me happy. But now I feel like I found out that it's just the process of creating something from beginning to end and creating your own company in a field that's really interesting. So digitalization is what makes me happy. And you also mentioned creativity, that you were doing this on the side. But I believe personally that creativity is required anywhere or everywhere in, in every aspect of our lives. How do you experience now when you look back, how creative were you in your life or in, in your studying as well? I think It, it's not written somewhere in that way, but being creative helps you a lot to master your studies as well or be good in your profession. Maybe because I am such a creative person, I managed to study so well for these tests because for me, it was always a creative process. And the final end goal was having a really nice summary, well-structured with colors. I got around 20 pages for um, analysis one and two, the biggest exams in, in the bosses here at ETH. So I loved the process of these 13 weeks in summer break. You have to study for the exams at ETH. And it was for me a way to structure all the books I have, the, the lessons we took and summarize them, draw the concepts out, learn them. So I feel like that's what helped me to get around so well because it's probably not my IQ and because I was never good at school and it, it needed something else 
to make me be good and it was um, probably my ability to learn it's hard when you say you're not you weren't good at school <laughs> I think this is one of the biggest misconceptions that just making always the best grade means that you're good at school I sometimes believe and, and you just give me this proof as well it's just sometimes the school as it is set up is not made for certain people because they just need a different way of learning or they just have a different way of thinking and I, I feel like you belong to this group of people that you said maybe this way of school does not fit the way I learn but you found your own way to learn. But let's move forward to the ETH juniors. So you mentioned that you joined ETH juniors. Tell us a little bit about this. What is it and how did you end up there? It is association of 10 students. We are registered in the um, Handelsregister, the commerce of trade. And we were allowed to do commercial activities. And what that meant is that these 10 people were doing a lot of sales emails, cold calls, going to events to acquire Swiss corporates to do projects with us. And these could be projects from market research in the health sector to computer vision algorithms uh, for a Swiss bank, uh, innovation workshops with Novartis, for example. Um, so these projects were really diverse and we acquired them. And those 10 students had to structure the project, telling the client, let's take Novartis, um, this project will include these steps and it costs 50,000 Swiss francs. And that was a binding contract they signed. And then we hired the students to work on these specific projects. We had that budget and we had to make an algorithm concept or innovation workshop work in that budget. So we learned a lot about project management and then also um, marketing. We had to market our success stories and do events with our clients, but also do marketing towards the students. We built up a database of over 10,000 students that were willing to work for or with us. And we had to also manage that database of students. And you just end up in an environment, even though it's only 10 students a year, because it exists since over 20 years. It's a community of 200 people with founders of Get Your Guide, Beekeeper, Self Nation, Climbworks. You just end up in an environment of, of really cool people that inspires you to try something on your own. Why did you apply for it? Or what, what is the process to get there? It sounds like to me like if you apply for a normal job, you could have gone and applied directly with Novartis, for example. So I started working on one of their projects because I always had to work next to my studies. So what happens is I was part of that database. I got an email. Do you want to work on a project that is um, a digital project for the airline industry? And before that, I applied for two other projects. They didn't take me. I was really desperate. I thought like they will never want me to work on one of these projects until one uh, guy, his name was Lucas, called me that now they have a job he wants me to work on. So I got onto that project as an employee, not being one of these 10 people. And um, it was with Lufthansa Group. I even flew to Stuttgart to work uh, on that project. And I loved it so much. I found these people really interesting, but it never occurred to me that I could be part of these 10 students. And Lucas really had to force me to apply for that job. It took so much energy for him to tell me that I am going to be good enough. I would be a perfect fit until the day I applied. I studied so hard for that interview. It's three rounds of interviews, like consulting interviews with case study. And you had to do a presentation. 
so I, they took me, I managed, I did quite well. And uh, it, it was a really good decision, but I needed some external help mm -hmm. to end up there. Yeah, you, you said then afterwards you joined them for the one year, how do you call this, like ownership of the company? And you learned quite a lot during this year. Like, I feel like other people never learn that much. Whatever you learned there, you use today in your company as well. So tell us a bit about this this transition or how did you come up then with the business idea respectively then you mentioned already that you were for working for Helvetia and then found your co-founder but how did that go tell us a bit about this part I think like so often in in life you just need a role model or a good environment and I had that with ETH juniors I had other people founding their own companies and also one project that was founded out of one of these customer projects one year before I joined ETH juniors And they showed and proved to me that it was a potential way to go. And when this project with Helvetia came along, which I was managing, I was always thinking about, this is such a cool idea. It would be great to do this on my own. And Helvetia was not willing to keep on that project within the corporate structure. So they gave us the opportunity to spin it out. And that's when I took all my <laughs> bravery to ask My two clients, Matthew and Nicola, can I join you? I would be the perfect fit to co-found this company. Um, so I went into discussion with them and they, they said, okay, because I knew that we had support from that environment from ETH, um, also financially from ETH juniors, we have our own fund. I, I took that risk and co-founded the company. Still during my studies, I haven't finished my master's and just said yes. <laughs> Sometimes you just need to say yes and see where it takes you. So we founded in December 2019 and I finished my uh, master thesis um, mid of last year, 2021. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> it took some more time, but it was cool because I was able to write my master thesis for my startup. Mm -hmm. And this now gives me a lot of advantage also within the company. I personally, I always studied um, part-time uh, next to working and I've always felt this was the best way because I could connect my studies with what I was really working on and it made a lot more sense to me and I've, I think you had the same experience, right? Exactly. So tell us, what is the company, you mentioned before, but tell us a bit more about what is the company doing exactly as much as you can tell already? Um, our vision is to change the way we experience products, starting with luxury products. That mainly involves taking a paper-based process and making it more digital. Um, in the future, when you buy a physical product, a watch, it will be accompanied by a digital twin. And the digital twin includes all the information in text, but also images, all the documents, the manual, receipt, warranty, and also some videos, maybe tailor-made videos from the production just for you. And we take all that information, create a digital twin, an NFT, a non-fungible token, And this can then be owned by the rightful owner. It's really easy in the digital world to prove authenticity, make information unfalsifiable and to represent ownership. And that's what we use from the digital world to bring more trust and transparency, security to the real world. So that's the first step, bring more trust, security and transparency by creating a digital twin. And the second step is then Because this digital twin has an owner, we can build a direct connection from the manufacturer to their community, their owners. And until now or today, 
manufacturers don't know who owns their product. When you buy your bracelet or your watch, your, your scarf in, in a store wholesale or at a retailer, the manufacturer doesn't know when, where the product has been sold to whom. And in a world where data about the owner's community is uh, the new gold um, and manufacturers invest a lot in marketing, it is really crucial to help them understand who their collectors and owners are. You did a big step from material science into the whole digital world. So it's all about blockchain, NFTs, um, digitization. What, what made you do this step? Did you miss something in the beginning where you said, okay, material science, you didn't know enough about technology? And what was the decision that you said, okay, now I want to go into more this direction? I think, again, um, I didn't know what... Uh, the fascination is going to be because no one showed me that option. But once during ETH Juniors, I dove into all these digitalization projects with, with the airline, um, with the health sector, and also with insurance, it really fascinates me. I'm, I'm highly fascinated about using new technologies or technologies to optimize an industry or to help uh, improve a process. And that's where, where I got my fascination and doing this for the watch industry, one of the most traditional industries in Switzerland um, that is still not so digital, fascinated me a lot. There's a lot of room for improvement in this area or you can use or uh, try different things with digitization. That's absolutely true. And where do you think is this leading to, like the technology, where you stand right now, where do you see the future of technology? I see the future of technology, that it will help us as humans, that it will improve some processes. Easy example, make them more sustainable. We don't have to print out the manual for watches or huge marketing catalogs that we send around and no one really opens if they come by post mail. So um, it, we can do processes more sustainable, but also more secure. We are with our solution fighting counterfeits which are impacting the Swiss industry a lot. And we can be more secure by also representing ownership better. So technology is used in our case to bring more security because we can prove who owns an authentic watch and use this, for example, for insurance claims, theft reports. We have a collaboration with the police. So I see technology really helping us in real world. But also what I realized over the past two months that it opens up a complete new universe of possibilities. And if we look into NFTs, we can also help Swiss brands only create digital NFTs that are not linked to the physical watch. So imagine um, a Swiss or small watch manufacturer can produce digital art NFTs and sell them. It will help them grow grow in terms of revenue without actually producing products or using resources. So being more sustainable by just producing digital art that sells. And the whole trend we see with the metaverse where you can own um, digital stores, digital products, is maybe a potential to, to reduce our CO2 footprint. Absolutely. So there's a lot of sustainability behind it as well and taking care of our world. And for your companies, are you talking a lot about the watch industry or luxury industry? Do you see any other use case or you, you have a vision of which area you want to go into in the next years? Um, our vision is that in the future, when you buy a physical product, it is a habit that you also get a 
digital twin, which includes all the information, documents, and also emotions. It's not that the future is just digital. We also want more emotion and personal connections. So if I buy a coffee machine, I expect no physical paper, but still I want the emotions and the personal connection. So imagine if you want to repair your coffee machine, you have a, a service on the digital twin that connects you to the uh, mechanics. Or if you don't want the coffee machine anymore, you can put it back into a recycling process. And these are processes we want to facilitate for every product. It just makes sense to start with luxury and uh, watches because um, people are used to have a paper-based certificate. We make it digital. People collect these items, so it makes sense to also collect them on a digital world. And these items are lasting for a long time. A watch can be here for hundreds of years. But of course, also imagine a, a, someone buying a Red Bull every morning. That's the best brand ambassador for Red Bull. And Red Bull doesn't know that Patrick buys a Red Bull every morning. And we should leverage the community for brands more and know who loves what and also open up for a two-way communication that also that guy Patrick can talk to Red Bull and then share his experience. Mm -hmm. Very interesting business case. I'm looking forward to see more in regards to your own journey, to your career or what you have done. What is, is there something you would like to share with our listeners in regards to advice you can give them? Like if someone wants to go into this area you have been or progress the way you have progressed, is there anything you learned on your way you'd like to share? I just had one really um, life-changing moment where um, for ETH Juniors, we organized this event, marketing event, and we had Brecken Darrell, CEO of Logitech, as a speaker. And um, I talked to him about my fears that I, I feel like I'm, I'm not good enough. And he said, you just have to fake it until you make it. And he showed me that podcast, that TED talk. I just at that moment understood that maybe to survive in this world, you just have to be a little bit too much and just be present and just fake yourself into believing that, that you can do it. And the more I try to tell myself that you start also believing in yourself. And you just have to be here and work for your, for your luck. Just keep on pushing, pushing, pushing. And one day something from one stream you're pushing will come back. That's a great advice. Thanks a lot for sharing this with us. We are almost at the end of this podcast. Thanks a lot for being part of it and sharing your story. But before we finish, I'd like to ask you some speed questions, which we always do. And you just answer with what's on top of your mind. So the first one is, who is your favorite female role model? My mom. Oh, she has so much energy. She's <laughs> always here and present and working. What is your most important skill? My emotional quotient, EQ. And the last one, you maybe have given this away already. What was the best advice you were ever given? Uh, fake it until you make it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or from another guy, um, he has also two daughters. He worked for SAP. Um, that um, you have to be aware how you speak, that you speak slowly, don't use these words like maybe I could, I don't know, and be really finish your sentence and talk direct. Thank you very much for being in our podcast and good luck with your startup. Thank you very much, Christo. Did you enjoy this episode? Don't forget to comment or rate us on your podcast app. Never want to miss an episode again? 
Sign up now for our newsletter on techface.ch or follow us on Spotify or wherever you are listening to podcasts. Stay tuned and build your best career in tech.